we're here with uh, Shirley. The, if anyone's that's ever having any woes with money or any sort of concerns about, hey, how, what's the next step? How do I take control of my money in my future? Um, and we don't mention the B word, which is budgeting. <laughs> but essentially, Shirley's the the Shirley and her team's the sort of the the guru. So if you're listening to this and you're worried, like you don't know how to do it or where to start, and pretty much like majority of New Zealanders have some level of money issues, at least the ones I come across. Um, but how are you firstly how are you going today yeah good good it was a lovely weekend it's always nice to get out in the sun and we're very fortunate to live in the bay so yeah great yeah it's not rubbing in eh well in <laughs> fairness I had a beautiful moment like we got some palm trees in our backyard and there was like tropical rain and like a yellowish yellow hue so it, we had a bit of a taste of what you guys have just close your mind I'll close your eyes and pretend you're in Fiji for a minute Okay, it'll be a bit awkward for people <laughs> listening, but I'll, I'll do what you ask. So I, I always find interesting anyone I talk to, like um, their journey and their story and what got them into it, because I, I seem to find people's purpose um, is usually linked to like experiences that they've had that are either challenging or um, and 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 that sort of led them on to helping a version of themselves in the world around them. It's just a theory. I don't know if it's true. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So what was yeah. your story then? Julie? Well, I actually started out as a nurse and worked um, for a few years in nursing and wanted to do something else. Went on to do all sorts of things, actually. Just worked for one company and then someone else would say, hey, why don't you join us? So I've ended up working um, in all sorts of areas and then working in business um, support within the disability sector. But probably about 20, 18, 20 years ago, started working in the and social services, which I guess is why I went nursing in the first place, is that um, passion for working with people. And uh, I've always been driven by a desire to see equity in society, equality, I used to think, but equity is more accurate. And uh, I know for so many people, money is at the base of their well-being, and when it's not taken care of, everything else in life starts to crumble. So, um, yeah, so I had an opportunity. I was, I was asked whether I would be interested in applying for this role, and it kind of brought together all of the things that I'd done in my life. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, a very rewarding place to work. And you're right in that a great number of the people in my team, I've got between 15 and 20 in my team, mm. uh, have had their own journeys, and that's what's uh, brought them to work in this area. Well, what's it like how, how does the sort of the business structure of sort of what you guys do i mean I, it, people fall in the frame anytime i get on the podcast they talk like everything's sunshine and rainbows but well, we all know life's a little bit more colorful but like what what's the actual how does it work like it, like i mean normally we'd go into like the value adding side of things but i'm just curious at the moment so you got 15 to 20 people that need to be paid like mm. how how do where's the money come from because you're helping people that don't have money we do it all for love, Ryan, all for love. Out of love, love. yeah. Come by. <laughs> um, no, we're funded through MSD. So we're funded by the government, which is why our service is completely free. Um, we don't sell anything. Um, it's purely um, purely funded by grants sometimes, and but 99% funded through government funding, um, which is really important, I guess, because for a couple of reasons. One, it means that it's available to everyone. There's absolutely no cost. There's absolutely no motivation to 
point anyone in any direction because there's no commissions or anything like that. It is purely about helping people to take control of their money. And we work from a strength base um, and we work in a very sort of holistic way. So I think there was a time when um, our sort of work was all about, you know, numbers and a line, what comes in, what goes out and, you know, don't do that. And, um, you know, feeling quite judged and um, chastised in people's minds, I think, in the past. Uh, the work that we do is very different than that. We don't mm. have any agenda. It's about what your goal is and what you want. Um, and and we try and sort out some of the best way to get there. And a huge, huge amount of the work that we do is around advocacy and negotiation, budget, which is why we're moving away from that word, apart from it's up there with diet is something that nobody thinks <laughs> is I really wants to do. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, uh, budgeting is a small part of what we do. Actually, it's that support and mentoring um, with people who are often really, really stressed when they come to see us and at a bit of a loss as to what to do next. Hmm. Yeah, I find I find like um, I'm I don't actually have much interest in finance, which is interesting because I'm in finance. <laughs> Odd <But> job choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, now I'm just fascinated in people and why they do what they do, like the psychology of money and, and the. What, what what constitutes a meaningful life like mm. you know sometimes a lot of my conversation is like why are you doing that job like you know like yeah. you know like even though it's paying income and even though it'll improve our revenue as a company if you save more and invest more yeah. um i'm just fascinated like so someone comes in stressed like whether let, let's say someone's out there and they're stressed or maybe they have a friend that's going through it they're not how to not sure how to approach the subject like firstly mm. how do you sort of get them into a space where they're less overwhelmed and then oh. how do you pivot in a favorable direction? Yeah, I guess one of the nicest things I heard from a client when I started, she'd been working with one of our team, Cody, and um, she wanted to meet me. And she said, you know, the thing that I love most about meeting her is that I don't feel alone anymore. And hmm. that's huge for people. I often am quite a visual person. And when I think of problems, I think of a big pile of rocks on a road. And often people are just standing there and they don't even know which one to pick up first. You know, they're so overwhelmed. And I and if we think of that, you know, that sort of flight, fight, freeze that we all learn about in terms of the way we manage stress, for a lot of people when it comes to money, they're definitely in the in the freeze phase. They just don't know where to start, so they don't start at all. And so when we meet with people, when the team meets with people, it's really understanding what's most important to them in that moment. You know, there's no use in having a great long conversation about their goals in life when they're sitting there thinking, if I don't get this power bill paid, I'm not going to have any electricity tomorrow. So, you know, it might be in that moment just helping to address that crisis um, and then stepping back from there and understanding what else is going on for them, because it's very seldom just money. Um, and and it's never just education. There's a whole raft of reasons why we all do what we do, and knowledge is is vital, but it's not everything. So um, understanding the other factors that are contributing. So we have people who come to us, Ryan, who are very capable but have struggled to manage their money. Uh, because of some life events. So it might be as individual as a relationship breakup or the loss of a job or something as global as COVID. Um, mm. 
and suddenly the the rug is just ripped out from underneath their feet. And sometimes the people who have earned the most, and, and as I'm, I'm sure you're the same as me, the more you earn, the more you spend. Yeah. Um, and if you've always had money, you um, to not have it, you just can't even imagine how you would begin. But for a lot of our clients, we live on very small amounts of income each week. They're incredibly frugal. They're incredibly resourceful. Um, and uh, yeah, they manage much better in those situations because they've built those those skills, that resilience. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think I mean people have a tendency to to hate on the rich or, or blame them for certain things. And you know, I remember I had a couple come in and they they joined and well, actually, she was earning all of it. She was earning half a million a year and they saved nothing. Yeah, and it, yeah. it, it's a behavioral thing. It's it's like it's irrespective of how much you earn. I'd be curious though. Um, I don't know if you've heard the podcast Girls That Invest that like took off. Um, we had her on the podcast and um, they were talking about the concept of money manipulation and like how, you know, young women or, um, well, women in general and men or they get in a situation where the money is being used as a manipulative measure to keep mm. the person attached. Do you come across that sort of thing? Like, do you have a trend of people that end up in those situations? Or uh, We do see that. We see it. Um, we see it in a. I don't know if you'd say it's a benign way. We often see it in an older generation where one person has taken complete control mm. of of the finances. And I remember we had uh, a lady that we worked with recently, and her partner passed away, and she had no idea where anything was. She didn't know who the power was worth. She didn't know how much money they had. She didn't know where it was invested. And, um, and she said to me, I thought you'd think that I was stupid. And I said, not at all. It's just it's information that you don't know. And you're incredibly capable. We just And we just went through about some of the things that she needed to get answers to. And I said, look, we'll work with you every week if that's what's needed to you get on your feet. And in fact, we think we saw her twice. Because actually, by the time she had a picture and she had her head around what she needed to do, she was incredibly capable. Hmm. At the other end, we see people who um, may have one partner who's earning and spending and doing exactly what they like, and the person at the other end is trying to keep the house together, feed the kids, keep the electricity going, etc. Um, and um, they're seen as completely different jobs and rather than a team hmm. sort of approach to it. So, yeah, I guess... We do see that, and it's really uh, really difficult for um, people who go through a relationship breakup um, when when mon when one person has always held control of the money because that's just one more um, stress, one more challenge, one more uh, hurdle to overcome to them regaining their their confidence, their self-determination. I see a lot of that in um, um, business partnerships where someone has complete autonomy of a certain process and no one's across it. And then it leads yeah. to, I guess, getting ripped off. Effectively. Mm. Mm. So do you, do you like when, let's say there's this, this team, um, you know, you, you want to bring, cause unifying and selling is, you know, you got to unify the decision makers and get them on the same path going forward. Yeah. How, from a budgeting standpoint, do you do you, if you can only get like one in, do you educate them on how to facilitate those communication lines and or like a way to get the both in? Like, what's your tips for like 
that sort of relationship um, disparity you're talking about and how can you mm-hmm. mitigate that? Yeah, I mean, we tried, particularly through COVID, we're actually running Zoom sessions at nighttime uh, for that very reason, well, one of those reasons, to be able to get both partners together. Because I know for my other half and I, um, if you were part of separate conversations, you know, you see something and you think it's great, you come back, oh, we should do this, this is awesome, blah, blah, blah. If they haven't been part of that process, then they, they you know, you're giving them the solution they haven't they haven't um, built up the understanding of why. So it's much better if you can both be involved. And we also run education programs and it's a very much a facilitation called Money Mates and organisations like ours across New Zealand run those. And they're really good because it's not about lecturing people, it's about everyone sitting together talking about their experiences and it's a quite a safe way to be able to bring things up and um, hopefully, particularly for adults, we don't like to be told things, we like to discover them for ourselves. Um, and uh, it's a great way to start sort of challenging some of those ideas and things. Where, where do you find these events? You said good money mates. It's a good ring. Money to mates, it. yeah. So um, organisations like ours, so um, across the country, and there's a couple of hundred of them, run a program called Money Mates. Hmm. And um, for us, we run them um, all over the place, really, but we try really hard to run them. Uh, particularly in places where people not might not engage with us for whatever reason. So we were running them for a while at uh, where we've got people do probation here. And that was awesome because the, the people who were on community service would come in, spend a couple of hours with, um, with one of our mentors, and you had the corrections officers actually joining in the conversation. And two hours later when they were out doing their community service, they were still talking about it which is awesome because actually it's had an impact on them and they're starting to think about their beliefs around money and how they manage it and whether it controls them or they control it. You know, they start to to think differently about it. And so that's that's really helpful. How do you get into prisons? Like, um, well, you're doing community, but like, like uh, this a medium term goal um, is to run sort of personal development, incorporating money as well as, you know, like emotional regulation. Mm, in in mm. prisons um mm. but i me and bureaucracy and authority don't go too well together i'll probably relate more to the prisons than the system but uh what how do you like get into that sort of like is it possible to arrange sort of discussions there are they receptive are they not or you just because you're part of the government like in terms of grants and support is it easier yeah. I, I don't uh we don't work in prisons but there are certainly financial mentors who do and I actually think you're right. Well, I had this conversation. Um, we had a, a Zoom meeting the other day with the Department of Corrections, FinCAP, our umbrella organisation, which I know you're aware of. Mm. Um, they do some really great work around advocacy and Westpac Bank. And we were talking about money for people who are um, uh, incarcerated. And I was saying we need to be there at the time they go in, during that time, and when they come out, because all sorts of... Um, money issues um, occur when you're not earning and you're not allowed to pay for things and they come out into a huge mess um, at the other end and sometimes they can't get a bank account sometimes they're not allowed in the bank sometimes they're facing insolvency etc etc which we work through but um, for us uh, I don't know that it is a government thing I think it is about getting alongside people and what we do is to say what are you trying to achieve for the for the people for the whānau that you work with and how do we help you achieve the goals that you want for those people? 
So we see ourselves as integral to other social services uh, because we, that's the lovely thing about working in social service. We all have the same goals. And so there's no competition. There's no, um, there's no concern about sharing knowledge or information because we want the same thing for people. We want individuals to be stronger, families to be stronger, and communities to be stronger as a result. God, I felt like you're going to run for presidency now. <laughs> that's a good little slogan you smashed out there i feel like you've got notes looking at it but that's all right but um <laughs> your post-its yeah, yeah yeah i see the old look and then you just rattle out of that that's impressive <laughs> what uh, <laughs> that may be quite quite an art to train 15 and 20 people because you're not they're kind of like psychologists they're kind of like supportive they're kind of like problem solvers how do you how do you educate like where do you get your staff or where do you source them or how how do you train them or yeah, um, I don't actually deliver money, mate, so I can't take any credit for that. But um, oh, in your in your organisation, yeah, the organisation so does. Yeah, yeah. Um, the pe people come from all sorts of different places, and it's funny when I'm interviewing people. Often people will come to us with an accounting or banking or even investment or business background, um, and those skills are, are magic. But I always say to them, this job isn't about um, money; it's about people. So um, I'm just thinking through my team, there's also vastly different. We have, we do have people from accounting and business backgrounds. We have people, we have one person who was a jockey, <laughs> then went on and worked for uh, a credit agency. And, and um, we have another who's a teacher. Uh, I'm a nurse, all sorts of backgrounds, really. Hmm. And it's, a, it's, um, you know, we have some training, obviously, that we do, and, and I worked in investment before, so that's that's a helpful training as well. But um, we provide training, and a lot of it is those soft skills. It's that um, building rapport with people, understanding them, the empathy, the the strength base, which is is a bit of an art to do because it's much easier to tell someone what to do than to facilitate a process of them learning and understanding what they need to do. Kind of it's like being a parent either. I don't have kids, but um, it's, um, it works much better if it's their journey than you just telling them because nobody, mm. nobody likes to be told. No. Well, I find most, most people have the answer. You just got to ask the right question. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like going to a counsellor, isn't it? You know, you go to a counsellor, they don't say, right, these are the things that, these are your problems and this is what you need to do. I'll see you in a week's time and you'll have those picked off. You know, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes for us, we are, we might say you need to do these three things, particularly in a crisis to get on top of it. But actually making long-term ongoing change uh, requires a lot more than that. And, it, and as I said, it's not just um, skill, it's confidence. It's capability, mm. it's cultural beliefs, it's, um, we talk about money personality, so what's your attitude to money? Is money something that you, re you know, spending something you reward yourself with when you're feeling low? Um, mm. You know, is it something that you feel controls you? Is it something that you just spend until it's gone? And for a lot of our clients, that's very true. There's no conscious decision around how they manage their money they just spend it and then when it's gone there's nothing yeah i mean th this whole sub subject's fascinating it's usually the content that's most well received um most people i come across either have debt or bad spending habits 
Um, unfortunately, it's hard to monetize that in a business sense. So they're an underserviced market, mm. um, which, you know, you don't want to put a person as a dollar sign. You also got to be realistic. So I've been trying to work out that middle ground of um, how can we create content at scale um, that will add value and support uh, everyone. Um, but then also that leads to, you know, generating clients our end. So we have more freedom to be able to do that. Mm. What, what's the process like? So they come in, they're freaking out. So you dissociate and prioritize basically saying, this is your next steps. You take out the little rock from the big pile and this then, and then you console them. But like, what's the, um, what would you go through? Like attitudes and money? Like you have, uh, do you have a process for every client and then adapt um, around it? We do, but it's not that prescriptive because it's a little bit like going to, again, to the doctor or to a counsellor if um, you need to adjust to whatever the person is. At the end of the day, it's really about what's most important to that person. And sometimes, you know, like we work with people who just need direction, but we also work with people who are experiencing poor mental health. Um, we work with some people who are living with an intellectual disability. We work with some people who are living with addiction. Um, and, and it can take, they might be living in a home and experiencing domestic violence, you know. So often it's about, well, it's always about building the relation to, to really understand what's going on for that person, helping them identify what's important because, you know, you talk about personalities and, um, you know, what is a good life and what... Um, is important to you. For me personally, um, security is really important. I, I don't desire to have a $5 million home and a Ferrari. That is not important to me at all. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, uh, people's desires are for their lives are different and their goals are different. What we try to do is to... Um, make the, the client at the center of the decisions and give them back control. So it might, often people, for an example, someone will come in and say, I want my KiwiSaver out, can you help me? And um, so we will always help. But what we will do is we will start to, you know, we'll look at bank statements, get information. A lot of people don't even know what debt they have. Um, start to put a budget together for them so we can understand where they are financially. But then before taking that step of helping them, it's like taking a step back and saying, so, okay, how did you get here? Because if we just help with your KiwiSaver, and KiwiSaver will say the same, you withdraw that money. If you don't address the underlying issues that got them to that point, then they're likely to be in exactly the same place in six months' time without KiwiSaver to help them out. And KiwiSaver is an investment. It's, it's as you know, you know, it's designed for the future. It's not for, to dip in, you know, when things go astray. So um, we want to try and give people the skills and the confidence so that they can actually make some changes and be stronger going forward, more resilient going forward. Yeah, so does that mean you have like complementary industries in the sense like you've got someone in and you recognize their uh, high chance of suicide or someone that's got an addiction and then, you, yes. you know, you're going to make sure they're supported? Like what are the... Does it lead to like um, free opportunities for them for going through you? Like, you know, like, because then you refer it or um, how does yeah, that work? So, um, so we have, we work along the social service sector. I haven't worked in it outside here. I worked, um, as I say, when I lived in Auckland and uh, things, I was nursing. But um, the sector here is very close and we will refer within. And sometimes we even take a bit of a multidisciplinary approach where, 
um, if somebody has significant uh, challenges that they're living with, with their permission, we might work alongside community mental health, alongside an addiction service, alongside a housing provider, et cetera, et cetera. Um, sometimes it's more about referring someone on. So a lot of people who present with an addiction might need support from addiction services, but there might be some trauma counselling and things that's required as well. So we would connect them with the right people and um, uh, continue to work with them, but recognising that we don't have all the answers, uh, but knowing that within our social service sector, that there are people with the skills that that person needs to help them to move forward. So um, we don't tend to, someone said to me once, are you in competition with financial planners? Um, and I said, no, but you know what? I would love every single person we work with to have a financial planner because that would mean they had enough money and enough control in their life that they could make some choices about money. Mm. Maybe maybe you're like college basketball and we're like the NBA, like you get them all ready and then we, yeah. we, we, we put them to work. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, what? So, what? Are, do you, like, I didn't, I didn't warn you. I was going to ask this question, but like, are there some organisations people should be mindful of if they have some of those issues, whether it's addiction, whether they need some counselling, or um, you mean about people they could seek out? Yeah, just people yeah. that help. I don't, I don't know of any. Oh, know? yeah, huge numbers, huge numbers. Um. There And, you know, a lot of the um, call centres and things like that that you can contact will help direct you. But there are, the Salvation Army have a great addiction system, uh, you know, support system. Um, there are organisations that will help with housing. So um, housing trusts, community trusts, accessible properties, places like that. We have fantastic organisations here like... Um, we do a lot with the Pacific Island Community Trust, which is an amazing organisation. Mm. And, you know, there's a group of people who might not access us because of cultural and language differences, whereas we'll go and work with them and they will help. Fana Water is amazing. A lot of different organisations have Fana Water services. Uh, and that's particularly strong because that's about bringing the whole Fano, or can be about bringing the whole Fano together to provide support around them. Um, there are, here we have organisations like Namatapuna Oranga or Timani Toroa, who is um, a health, health um, hawara, but also has other social services attached. So there's huge amounts of support, but you're right, if you've never accessed them, you don't, a bit like us, if people haven't accessed you um, or had to access social services before, they have very little understanding of what there is out there for people. And there is a lot of support. It's just about connecting people and helping them get through the door. Because that can be the hardest. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Well, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And then, you know, where is yeah. the door? And then how yeah, do you open yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And do I have the courage to go through sometimes, mm. you know, particularly if it's something like um, trauma around sexual assault? You know, that's that's a huge step for someone to take. And, um, yeah, a, a tough step to take. Yeah. Uh, and it's very prevalent. Um, mm. Particularly for people with addictions. Yeah. Well, I mean, the hardest thing about giving, an addic giving up an addiction isn't the actual substance, it's the emotions that follow. Yeah, absolutely. Because essentially that's what you are. You're, you're medicating yeah. the trauma. 
And the challenges that um, from a neuroscience standpoint is the dopamine window narrows. So dopamine, you know, a reinforcement chemical, they call it a pleasure or reward chemical, but basically it reinforces behavior. So you have this high and then your ability to get a certain stimulus that um, encourages you to enjoy life. You need more of a stimulus to be able to do that. So one, you've got this heavy trauma Two, you've got the substance using medicator and three, it softens the edges of life pretty tough yeah which is why we need to look at it as a health concern not a um not a legal concern i think for people it's you're quite right and it's true of it's so destructive particularly to people's financial well not particularly that's that's not what i mean it is a destructive for people's financial well-being as well as every other element of their life do you find certain trends you know like you know you talked about the association between um addiction and sexual assault or trauma or do do you sort of see uh trends that lead sequentially lead to money issues like either it's you know like either you know not a good role model showing them or maybe they have certain emotional challenges or breakups or what leads down that road do you think yeah i think anyone can end up struggling financially um I, i don't think and i think that's is it the silver lining of COVID? I don't know that it is. I think we used to think of um, we used to think of mental health, and I think I've said this to you before, is either you were ill or you were well. And we now know that we have all been up and down that spectrum. I certainly have from one end to the other. Um, and we recognise now that people will go through that and then that's okay and that that's part of life and we need to support people. Financial well-being, I think, is becoming a little bit like that. And and it takes away some of that stigma that people might feel. Because as I say, you can go from one end to the other because of something completely out of your control, like COVID. Mm. Um, certainly we do see when people haven't grown up with... Um, with somebody that talks to them about money or understands money, um, that certainly makes it tough for them. And if you look on our website, we've got some stories and um, from our clients. And there's one from a gentleman that we work with, and we didn't script it, but boy, he came out with some gold when he um, answered his questions. Um, and he said in his family, uh, money came in to be spent. And you spent it, like I said earlier, until it was gone. There was mm. never any conscious decision about that. Um, whereas my, you know, I think about my kids, even when they were really little, we'd go to the supermarket and I'd say, you know, there's six toilet rolls in that packet and four toilet rolls in that packet. How would we work out which is the best one to buy? You know, so we were always talking about money. And when we had something surrounding money in the house, we, we involved the kids in it. So, um, you know, money was something that we talked openly about. There was no embarrassment around it, you know, whereas a lot of families, it's very private and you don't talk about it at all. So that makes it really tough for people. Um, And I think we are all, you know, our personalities are all different. You know, you were talking about neuroscience before um, around dopamine levels and serotonin and all those kind of things. I think when we, um, you know, you look at some of the work that's come out of the Dunedin study about how how early in life you recognise patterns. Mm. And, um, you know, understanding your attitudes to money, your belief systems around it, recognizing if you're an impulsive person or, you know, I'm I'm really good with money generally, but I'm also really um, penal about things, very, very precise and measured when I do. (laughs) 
Well, yeah. that's probably meant I'm really boring at a party. <laughs> quite good with money. You know, yeah. I'm probably not the person who, you know, you're going to take to a, a hen's night and do something outrageous because it's just not me. Um, but those parts of my personality probably make me better at making money decisions than someone that's really impulsive and does things on the fly. Um, but those attitudes are really important. Knowledge is really important. A lot of the people that we work with, regardless of how much they earn, get into strife because when they need money, they haven't gone through the process or maybe they don't have the you know, capability or capacity, depending on their situation, um, to understand the true cost of borrowing. And we see a lot of people, and this is where the work that the other Commerce Commission and CAP, the government, have done around the um, triple CFA. The, yeah. It has been really good because, you know, I don't know if you realise, but some of those payday lenders before the changes to the legislation were charging 2% interest a day. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so someone would borrow money because they were in a spot, um, then couldn't pay it back and ended up owing many times what they had borrowed and ended up facing uh, a no-asset procedure or an insolvency because the debt had got so out of hand. Um, but if you don't understand that stuff or you, you have, you know, your literacy is not strong or, you know, you might have all the ability in the world, but I don't know about you, when I'm really stressed, my brain is mush. Mm. And when you live, and we, and we know that, we know that when people are, highly stressed their brain is just again in that fight flight mode of getting away from the problem and we don't think clearly um, and so we make poor decisions because we're under so much stress and particularly for people who live um, with very little income they don't have the options necessary that that you and I might have where um, if my car blew up if I didn't have the money in the bank, I could probably draw $5,000 on my mortgage, which would be a low interest rate. I could spread it out and I could pay it off. If I don't have that option, I have no money in the bank. I have no assets to borrow against. Um, no one's going to give me credit because my credit rating is not great. You're left with the only place to go are people who are going to charge you very, very high interest. Mm. And if you haven't, don't have the ability to pay it back, then suddenly your, you know, your five hundred dollar um, borrowing has cost you thousands of dollars, um, which is getting better with the changes, as I say, to the triple CFA. Um, that will have a really positive effect in that respect. But you can see people slip very quickly from um, a, a minor problem to a major problem um, because they they either didn't know or they weren't in the right place to make a decision, and that's why we we never judge people you know because you do what you do in that moment to the best of your ability and sometimes you know it's the only options people can see for themselves yeah i mean our neighbor's uh, payday loan provider so that's when i found out about it. I was like, oh my god and yeah. then um the, the there's been a lot of slack around the the new legislation that's what triples cfa people have been talking about and it was it was coming after payday loan providers and putting more restrictions and then yeah. it sort of it was sort of making sure that you're assessing it, that a person has the ability to pay it off and yeah. how they do that change. So then some people getting less loans approved. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's an interesting insight from your standpoint, um, yeah. seeing it as a, like a, a helping hand to protect against those people in those tough situations. Well, what, um, 
you talked about parents like i've never had kids so you know you'd be the expert over me what, what what um how do you instill the values in your children or how do you like you know you talked about the hey compare these different toilet paper rolls and you make sure there's transparency how, how can like a mother or father listening to this um want to sort of instill good values around money for their kids do well, I, I would never claim to be um <laughs> yeah. pretty awesome so i guess that's all right um <laughs> could be a bit fast um you know i think talking about it is a big thing um and i know you know and taking opportunities for learning like i remember uh um my son, when he was very young, like in his teenage years, shared an email address with us and got a email back from a payday lender. And, um, and and it was like, oh, okay, let's sit down and talk about this. Or another great example was um, a phone. Oh, I get this free phone if I join up for this plan. And me saying, nothing is for free, my darling. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, let's sit down and see Let's work this out together and look at how you are paying for this. Because at the end of the day, no matter how old you are, you have control over your life and you make the choices that you want to make around your money. And that's absolutely okay. If you want to blow every cent partying every night, that is your choice. But you need to make those decisions with all of the knowledge, including what the consequences are to decide if that's what you really want. Because when you talk about dopamine, we all will put off long-term gain for short-term satisfaction. You know, that's why, you know, we drink, we eat chocolate, um, <laughs> and all the things that we do that we know aren't good for us. But I think involving kids in conversations, talking about money. Um, I know my daughter, the first time she got a, um, she brought something on higher purchase. And I always said to them, only ever use it if you know you can pay it off in the amount in less time than you're supposed to. And it's interest free. And look at the fees when it's setting it up, you know, only do it if you've got, if you are completely in control of every every decision around that. Um, and so she's like, mum, I'm going to buy a bed and I've done this and I've asked that and I've been here and have I covered everything? Is there anything else I need to check? And mm. it says the clause, what does that mean? Um, you know, so so you again, like everything, you're having those conversations, but you know, it requires confidence to do that, and not everyone has that confidence. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I'm just realizing how little of those situations I come across because of the nature of how we're positioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. That. So, what would be like even just NAP? I learned about it last week. NAP. You know, the um, a way to write off your debt, and so then you don't have to pay it. Essentially. Um, if yeah. you meet certain criteria of financial hardship, what, what, just like, let's say some people in that like bankruptcy or in a challenging position, what, what are some of those tangible vehicles um, outside of the behavioral side that people can use? Um, well, there are um, what used to be summary installment orders now called debt repayment orders. That's for people that owe less than 50,000 and can pay back at least a percentage of what they owe. So it goes through insolvency, you make an application, goes to the creditors, and you might pay it back at 50 cents in the dollar or whatever it may be, and it's paid off at the end. No asset procedures for people underneath 50,000 and above that bankruptcy. But there are some, it sounds like a get out of jail free card, um, you know, when you first hear about it, but there are some significant implications of going through those procedures that people need to understand. Hmm. 
I guess their their likelihood of being able to get future loans would be a big contributor. And then jobs, different types of jobs, like my job probably be tricky if you had that. You might not be able to do be a financial advisor. Um, all right, well, as we wrap this up, what would be, you know, either like a tangible free tool maybe you had on the website or something to look at or pretty places people can go to learn about this? Yeah. Uh, gosh, the sorted websites are really good um, for having a look at. There's lots of really good tools that are available, but I think, um, yeah, I would say to people, if you're struggling or if you're even if you're thinking about something, come along and talk to an organisation like ours, even if it's just over the phone. Uh, they're not going to judge you. They're not going to charge you. They can point you in the right direction. And I think if we're thinking about, you know, some of the golden rules, I guess, around money, I said to you in the beginning, we, we are changing our name. We're moving from Taranga Budget Advisory Service to Bay Financial Mentors which is recognizes the reciprocal nature of learning with our clients and and that um, unconditional support of them um, but get rid of the word budget from your diet just think about it from your diet from your <laughs> <laughs> um, and just think about it as, as as being smart with money because budgets speak of going without being miserable and all that sort of thing. Think about it as just being really smart because we all work hard for our money and most of us don't want to throw it away. Um, I would say um, decide what your goals are. They're your goals and nobody else's. You decide what's important to you and then you decide what you want changes you want to make to get there. But it's, you know, absolutely your choice as to what you want to do. Give your money a job. Like if you have ever, and I, I... challenge you to find anyone who hasn't lay in bed at night with that sick feeling in your stomach because you've got a big bill come in that you can't pay for and this is this is something I say to my kids take control of it work out what your expenses are and put some money aside each week into a separate account so that when the bills come along you just go that's okay I got that covered and that's not just power and phone which a lot of people do it's thinking about maintenance on your car thinking about school fees think about reg and what um because a it helps you to get a really good idea of what your true expenses are i mean most people i know my husband and i've had this conversation where does all the money go because you look at the oh the mortgage is this and we spend this much on food so where's the rest of it go mm. insurances and phone plans and all sorts of other things like that so actually doing that even if you don't do it for a budget reason just to do it so you can sleep at night and you don't have to um be stressed to the max every time something big like a rates bill comes in um then i would do that you know it's worth it for that if nothing else um and be really conscious about the way that you spend a lot of people who, who are very wealthy are very clever with their money not mean but just smart about it um and make sure when you're entering into things like, um, you know, particularly borrowing, that you understand the true cost of borrowing and what will happen if you can't meet um, your repayments. And there are other options. Like we can, there are a couple of organisations around that give interest-free loans to people or low-interest loans um, that we can apply for. And most people don't even know that they exist. I didn't. So, no, no. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, Nga Tangata Finance, Good Shepherd will help 
to fund people with low interest loans where you are not going to get yourself into strife. Um, it takes a little bit longer to organise. You can't do it um, while lying in bed with your eye mask on. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, you can, they can be organised and they're a lot better opportunity for borrowing if you have to borrow than, than getting caught up in something that's, um, you know, that's really high interest. And the other thing I would say is to come and talk to us. As I said, a lot of what we do is advocacy. We spend a lot of time speaking to creditors, organising payment plans, getting interest addressed. We also do a lot of looking at contracts. We find people who are paying for things they should never have had to pay for because the insurance within the contract should cover it. Mm. We, um, we just, one of my team just had a big battle for someone who had a dreadful credit score because somebody else with the same name, this happened to my niece as well actually, um, was being recorded on their credit score and they were trying to get a house and couldn't get in anywhere because every time they were credit checked, this ugly report would come up. Mm. Oh, say so what the hell? Yeah, yeah, and so, and there's no point in saying to the landlord, "Hey, not me. <laughs> somebody, that's another person, that's another Ryan Nelson, you know." Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, whatever, mate. Um, so you know, there's <laughs> lots of stuff like that that we do, um, negotiating to get costs reduced and things like that on loans. There's a lot that can be done. That's really hard to do for yourself when you're in that completely overwhelmed, stressed out um, state. Yeah, wow. Well, I think you killed it. Uh, well, thank you for coming. And I think it makes no, it's a no-brainer, you know, it's free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. turn up if you're in a tough position. Don't abuse the system, but like if you're in a situation, you're not sure where to go, then yeah. I don't see. If, if they're anything like you, they might, they'll be all right. <laughs> Yeah, not, not too awful. Um, and you can come once and never come again, or you can. We have people that come every month for a while. You know, it's whatever you need to get back on top. And it's just smart. It's just smart to use the services that are there because that's what they're there for. Yeah, preach, sister. All right, well, we'll wrap that up.